Wouldn't that be interesting if we just publish uh, a transcript, unedited transcript of our <laughs> ramblings that nobody will read? That is effectively what The Verge did yesterday with a decoder podcast that I was I clicked on the headline because I thought it was an intriguing headline. And then I read through the um, started reading the transcript and it, it's it's in the NPR style of. That's Caro Bode again talking about Gigi Sone. And I was like, oh, uh, no, I can't. I can't nope, read this. No, nope. it just like keeps doubling back to be like, and I was as confused as they were. Hello and welcome to the Android Police podcast. My name is Daniel Bader. This week on the show, we are talking about just a hodgepodge of chaos that has uh, confronted us over the last week. Uh, it is Friday, November 4th, when we are recording this. It's been a few days since Twitter was purchased by Elon Musk. We're not going to spend the whole episode talking about that because it's, I think, as widely used as Twitter is among journalists and, and other inside baseball media people. I don't think it's as popular as we think it is in the greater scheme of social networks. But if you haven't been paying attention, there's still some stuff to talk about. Uh, we'll talk about some gaming stuff. Steam has expanded a little bit more into the Chrome OS ecosystem. We'll talk about Google launching Play Games for PC and what that could mean. The parenthesis is that it probably doesn't mean much because the games on Google Play for PC are not very good. And uh, we'll finally end a little bit with, uh, you know, just with some some uh, random musings about what we're doing and what we're enjoying this first week of November. So as always, Will Saddleberg, R. Wagner, how are you? I'm actually really good. I had a really great night. Well, I had a great start to my evening and then a less great end to my evening. Last night was the first night Fantasmic ran at Walt Disney World in like three years, and I managed to go and I managed to get good seats. So that was fun. Although my ears are what still ringing What is Fantasmic? A bit. Um, you know how like Epcot and Magic Kingdom have like fireworks at the end of the night? Hollywood Studios used to have that, but in addition to it, they have a 5,000 seat amphitheater where they would run a theatrical show and it had a lot of like water effects and pyrotechnics and stunt work and it's called Fantasmic. It closed before the pandemic, I believe, for renovations and then whenever the parks reopened for the pandemic, it just stayed closed. Until Sounds earlier this year. Sounds a bit like year. Cirque du Soleil. Not as much stunt work as Cirque du Soleil. Because it relies a lot on like projections that are done on water screens. And it's cute. It's fun. It was the first place that I worked when I was at Disney. Because I was Hollywood Hills merchandise. So we worked the Tower of Terror, Rock and Roller Coaster, and Fantasmic. And Fantasmic mm. was great because your shift started at like 5 or 6 p.m. And whether or not you stayed in all day and stayed nice and clean and... Uh, or whether you went to the parks and just played the entire day before you showed up for your shift, you would be the exact same amount of sweaty by the time you got out of your car through costuming and across the park to the shed where Fantasmic merchandise was located. That literally sounds like my nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> so no thanks. But Florida uh, glad, humidity, guys. Uh, glad you had no. a good time. Will, uh, what, else, what, what have you been up to this past week? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm also here. It's like a beautiful fall day it's 70 degrees out right now and sunny and there's like not a lot of wind i went for like a nice night walk last night that was like 60 degrees it was like perfect so and then tonight i don't know i i don't have any theme parks to go to in buffalo new york but i'm seeing indie darling soccer mommy that'll be fun oh i like soccer mommy. yeah I, I figured you would i figured i'd i'd uh i'd give a shout yeah no she's she's in buffalo tonight so i'm, I'm going to that concert it should be a good time wait isn't there there is a theme park in buffalo though it, it's isn't it it's You're not six... about, yeah no darien lake is is now darien six lake, flags again it. It, it was when i was a kid and then it got sold and it was owned i think it got sold twice they it, which was funny because they had like a bunch of dc properties and they had to they had to rename them because they didn't have the dc license and and i as i learned like a month ago it is it is a six flags again it's like an hour out, out of the city though okay yeah but yeah, yes yeah. i guess I, I could go there i'm not going to but I, I could go ride a roller coaster if i wanted to when i was a kid they would always compare canada's wonderland yeah. to uh the six flags darien lake and like which one had the better roller coaster depending on the year because they would they would be like competing with one another to add like the tallest and loudest <laughs> roller coasters yeah and just for context before the show ara was talking about how she wears wireless earbuds on 
roller coasters well, because I it's don't so ride loud. Any of the like super intense ones. Like I do like the small to medium coasters. And yes, right, I like, wear it with my earbuds in. You wear tell them the earbuds that you wear. I wear my Sony <laughs> WFX uh one thousand XM4. And what are those retail for? <laughs> Yeah, they retail for $280. <laughs> yep, that's right. That's correct. The first time I try them on a coaster, I make sure they're in and I'll like cut my fingers near my ear so that way if it falls, I can catch it. But at once I know a coaster <laughs> and falls, know you're gonna what- you're going to catch it. Well, if I'm- I basically have my hands cupped over my ears because I also don't like loud noises and lift hills on roller coasters are super loud depending on the roller coaster you're on. But yes, I wear earbuds on the roller coasters. I am a weirdo and I don't like noise. And the only way to tolerate Walt Disney World is to have something that will cancel the noise. So I saw these like super fancy earplugs that look like no earplugs I've ever seen. They're mm-hmm. called Loop. Have you ever heard of them? Oh, yeah. They keep I sending have, me yeah. their emails. I need to actually open one of them these days. <laughs> I, have, I, I got a pair. They're like 25 bucks. They fit really nicely. They're pretty discreet looking. And yeah, I, I don't know. I think they're better suited for roller coasters than a pair of $280 earbuds, but that's just me. What I didn't mention in the beginning, which we can talk about, is the fact that Matter, the standard that we've been waiting for forever, has finally launched. It now has release dates for a bunch of accessories, including Amazon devices. This is a big deal for the smart home, the promised sort of cross compatibility of the smart home, you know, that's been fragmented for years into something that is controlled by Amazon, something that's controlled by Google, something that's controlled by Apple, you know, to some extent, the transmission standards as well. So there's just a whole bunch of cruft that we've been dealing with for ages. You know, remember when like you would have to decide between Zigbee and Z-Wave when buying a smart light bulb or something. Like it just, that is the thing that Matter is supposed to solve. This is built over IP using a thread standard, which has been inside various routers and, and hubs for the last couple of years, but they've just been idle. They've been sitting there not used because they've been waiting for this overarching standard called Matter to launch. So now we have a bunch of companies that you've definitely heard of that have committed to this, including Amazon. So they're announcing that 17 Echo devices will be updated starting next month, and then 23 others after that for a total of 40. Acara, which I'd never heard of. Uh, Brilliant, which I've heard of. Nanoleaf, which I love. They are a Canadian company. They make some great smart bulbs and light strips. And then obviously the big one is Philips, right? Philips has one of the first companies to approve a Matter device. They've been supporting Matter since day one. There's also Eve, which is another one that uh, is fairly popular in the smart home space. So just overall, like a really impressive lineup of companies here. And I think what's interesting here is that it's not just the products that are going to be supporting Matter. It's the companies that we think of as overseeing the negotiation and the oversight and the automation between the products that you buy and the platform that you use, namely Amazon with the A word, I'm not going to use it, Google Assistant and Google Home and Apple's HomeKit, right? And all three of these big vendors are going to be supporting Matter or do support Matter. And I think that's a really big deal. It is. And I'm very happy for it because this should hopefully lower, not only should this help lower the barrier to entry for a lot of smart home stuff, but it also means that potentially if brands support Matter even if the company goes, ideally, the devices that are already out there should still work because they are matter compatible, or at least that is the hope. That's the dream, right? Yeah. And that you don't really have to worry if it says, like, supports Google on the box, because yes. technically, if it's matter compatible, it will just work. I mean, I'm looking forward to see how many of the actual final kinks have been worked out of this system, given that we have been waiting for the... I Wasn't this ready, like, a year ago, and they just kept delaying and delaying? I was only two months into my tenure at Android Police when they announced that Project Tip was now called Matter. Like, I remember writing that news post in May of 2021, and they were like, 
we are ready to launch in the second half of 2021. Like we will be there. And then wrote <laughs> over the next several months, three news stories that was like matters delayed again. Turns out they need more time to iron out the final bugs. And it was like, turns out they need more time to get developers on board and, and companies on board. Like, like not that there was an interest, but more that there was like so much interest that they were like, oh, we need additional time. So like, and even then that's just taking into effect, like when they rebranded the matter, like project chip is announced I don't even remember 2019, maybe. Yeah, this has been a long, long time coming. Yeah, yeah. I, I think what's important to remind people is that like this is not a cloud-based solution. This is something that is replacing Zigbee and Z-Wave as like a local transmission protocol, as well as introducing an overarching standard for all of the products to be able to talk to one another through that protocol without relying on the internet. So. What this means is that you don't necessarily need to have an Apple TV for HomeKit support, or you don't need to have some sort of centralized hub that will be the thing that all of the, like when I first started using Nanoleaf stuff, you needed a hub that connected over ethernet to your router or a switch that's connected to your router in order to communicate. Same with Sonos, right? Sonos used to have a dedicated box that would force you to have to use those proprietary transmission boxes to sort of like allow all of these products to talk to one another. Matter does away with that. They should be able to talk to one another directly through any thread compatible hub. And increasingly, that's an Eero router or an Amazon Echo speaker or like whatever. Sometimes there's even like this week, it was discovered that the level smart lock had a thread radio like built in. So the more thread radios you have that you have in your house, the more easily these products will be able to talk to one another because they're using Wi-Fi that already works over your router. So, sorry, I just wanted to clear that up in case somebody's like, "What does it matter if Matter is compatible with Matter?" I don't know. I the Matter name is very stupid, but everything else about well, it is I great. mean, it's replacing Zigbee, though. <laughs> like in perspective, it's much better branding than Zigbee. Or whatever. True. Yeah. That's fair. But yeah, I mean, I don't expect Matter to become like a household name, really. People will well, just ideally, notice. If this is done properly, nobody should notice if it's Matter or something that was previously proprietary. Right, Although exactly. I do wonder, like for Philips Hue, if this means that you straight up don't need a bridge for anything anymore, or if it's just going to be how that it's been be with the Bluetooth. Well, because so far for Philips Hue, it's been, oh, you can control individual lights via Bluetooth, but if you want to have more than 10 lights, you need a hub. So I want to know if that requirement yeah. is going away. The hub is part of why I've, I've never bought into the Hue ecosystem. It just feels like a lot to take on. I mean, it's not that expensive. No, it, no, no. In the grand scheme of Philips Hue things. I say that as somebody who has bought two hubs because I bought the first generation of the Philips Hue hub and then had to buy the second generation whenever I expanded and got more lights. And I have like 13 bulbs in my apartment right now, which is awesome because it lets me light up all the pretty things. But yeah, I'd, I'd love to know whether or not I have to still keep that hub up and taking up both an Ethernet port and taking up a plug on the very at a premium space on my surge protector at my desk. Because so, so long as it has to be yes. Ethernet to my... Okay, so yes on that? Down the road, this is going to be a multi-year transition. So... Yeah, because everything will out there eventually... right now will still need the hub. It's the things that come after this, right? I think you will get from a non-Bluetooth Hue bulb or any sort of Wi-Fi enabled smart bulb, you will get very basic functionality without a Hue bridge, but you will not get the full feature set unless you have a bridge because while the hubs are going to be updated to support Matter, the existing bulbs were designed with the bridge in mind. So you may get like, if you just install it, you may be able to open up like the Google Assistant or Google Home app and add it to your home without a hub, but you won't be able to like do more than just turn it on and off and do some basic color changing automations and stuff. You will need the Philips Hue app, which will still require a bridge. So, well, so long as it connects to Google Assistant, you can turn it off and on and change the color. You could do automation. You just wouldn't be able to do scenes. Right. I mean, I don't know the specifics, but I do know that Hue or Philips has basically promised that it will not always require a bridge, but it will require a bridge to do everything for the foreseeable future. 
And I think that's going to be true of basically every smart home device that's transitioning to Matter. They're not going to risk customers losing functionality. I mean, it was the same thing that Google did when they removed, um, because the, the, the Hub Max, it's used in place of a, a Nest Connect, whatever it's called, like Bridge for the Yale Smart Lock. That's no longer the case because there's a thread radio in the in the Hub Max, and in order to support thread, that had to be turned off. So for people that were using it as a intermediary to connect to your router, you now have to buy a dedicated Nest Connect, which isn't free. So Google and other companies are likely going to have to make some sacrifices to get that, but in the end, it'll be worth it, I think. That's the goal anyway. Who knows? It might be a disaster, but so far... It sounds like they delayed this in order to ensure that it's not going to be a disaster. So I'm cautiously optimistic. Well, I'm just glad that the warehouses and warehouses full of products that were specifically like matter compliant that couldn't get released last year and couldn't get released in the first half of this year can finally hopefully get released. If not now, then early next year. It's kind of hard to launch products in November or December because Black Friday and we expect literally everything to be on sale. but. I do know that there were a number of companies who were like, we have this, we're ready to release it, we just, we can't until matter is finalized. I'm very hopeful that we see a bumper crop of new smart home devices at CES. I think what's going to be interesting is whether most regular smart home people even notice. You're going to get a bunch of products that are going to be updated, your Amazon Echo speakers and whatever, your Hue Bridge, they'll be updated to support matter. But Will people actually benefit from this in the short term? Or is this going to basically just be laying the groundwork for future benefit once people start buying additional products that are then easier to set up than they have been in the past? I mean, my gut feeling is it's the latter, is that it, it'll mm. be like the stuff you have now might work a little better together or whatever, but it will really come when it's like you buy a new thing and you don't have to pay as much attention to what it works with because it, it will just work with most, if not all of the stuff you already have, because a lot of the stuff you have was upgraded. You know what I mean? I do feel like that's a benefit that will come two or three years down the road once people actually start like either upgrading or adding stuff to their smart home collection, whether it's more lights or they finally get a smart lock, anything like that. I was also going to say that we said earlier for Matter that, oh, everything that worked with Alexa and worked with HomeKit, you're now going to be able to use with Google Assistant. And I don't know how well that's going to apply to like existing tech because like APC is one of the companies that makes like some of the best search protectors around, especially in like consumer circles. And they released a smart search protector, but it only worked with Alexa. And whenever Matter came around and they're like, oh yeah, you can use everything on everything now. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure APC won't, still won't work on Google Assistant, but I'd love to try. So I think in the short term, it might actually confuse people. In the long term, it's going to end up being a benefit because right now we're in this weird space where some products will get updated to work with it almost immediately. Some products might get updated to support it in the future, and some products might never get updated at all. So this means that not only are you going to have to look for the works with this Alexa, works with Google Assistant, works with HomeKit, you now need to look for the Matter logo as well. Because Google and Amazon and Apple are not going to want to relent marketing power or, or cede any marketing sway, but all three companies are invested in matter. So they're going to say it works best with HomeKit, it works best with Google. But what they're not going to say is like, if a company works exclusively with Apple to certify a product for HomeKit and it doesn't work with Google or Amazon, if it is matter certified, it's going to work in some basic form with those ecosystems anyway. But Google and Amazon probably just won't have any say over how well it works. And it's almost going to be like that idea of, I was going to say emulation, but that's not exactly Kind of like how a bunch of the wireless protocols got rounded into key and the rest were um, power mat, maybe. Because everybody else builds their proprietary fast charging wireless standards, but they're all key at the base. So yeah, they that's work a good to a degree. Idea. So that's they work good, to a degree. Good. Like everything will wirelessly charge your iPhone. Uh, everything will wirelessly charge your iPhone. Just some of it might only be at seven point five watts. Some of it might yeah. only be at five watts. And again, if you're looking to buy a wireless charger on Black Friday, please let me tell you right now. Just because you see fifteen watts in the title doesn't mean jack shit when it comes to fast charging your Apple or your Samsung or your Google at fifteen watts. It's much more complicated than that. I love that you wasted like no time to 
get some Black Friday content. Well, no, just even if it wasn't Black Friday, if you're buying a wireless charger or you're buying a power delivery charger, just because it has PPS in the product name does not mean you'll get 45 watt charging on your Z Fold 4. And just because it says 15 watts on a wireless charger doesn't mean it'll charge both the Galaxy Z Fold 4 and the Pixel 7 Pro at 15 watts because those are two different charging specs. And most of them are not found on the exact same chargers. Usually manufacturers pick one or the other. That is true. But there really is only one wireless charging standard now. Yes, but there is one wireless charging standard that is consistent throughout all of these. And Matter is going to work in much the same way. So, I mean, I guess this is something else that we'll have to wait on. Starting next month, Amazon will start updating its products, and then we'll get a glimpse or taste of how Matter works on some of the more popular smart home devices. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'd love to hear from people listening, like if this matters, oh God, I hate that. If this even <laughs> is important to you, send us an email, podcast at androidpolice.com. Like, will this impact how you make your smart home purchases? Do you even make smart home purchases? Um, I'd love to hear from people on, on like what you actually use because I just have a hodgepodge of stuff, but it's mostly like Nest and Philips. So I keep it pretty simple. Will, what about you? You, you just bought a home. I did. I do not have a ton of smart home stuff set up, partially because I just never got to resetting it up from our old apartment. And then part of it is just like my partner does not does not enjoy smart. I'll be like, no, 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 the bulbs are you can control the lights with your phone. And she's like, or I can just hit the switch. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. But like, it's it's so much better on your phone. And uh, it, it has it has been a, a, a battle. We were literally just talking about uh, smart locks like an hour ago. So it's a whole thing. I love my smart lock, honestly. I also, so I, I am testing a, a Yale lock right now, which is why it was a conversation. And I, I have uh, mostly positive things to say about it right now. But it is very funny in that the reason we were talking about it is um, I mentioned it's nice out. So I, I opened the front door where the lock is and then had the, the, so the screen door is there, right? And the lock Every now and then it thinks it's closed and so it'll try to auto lock and the deadbolt will just slide open and it'll beep to be like, I locked the door for you. And it's like, but the, the door's not shut. I don't know why. I, I don't know if I set up something wrong. It could just be user error, but it doesn't happen every time. Like it happens like one out of every five times where it thinks the door is shut and it's not. No, that that makes sense. Yeah, I, I, I have the same problem. I have a Nest X, Nest Yale. Yeah, it's called the Nest X Yale lock, but. Good to know that it's not just me, though, because I was starting to think because it's got that little sensor that it uses to like detect whether the door shut. And I was like, maybe I just put that in wrong, but maybe I didn't. But auto lock, it, it's a blunt object. But for me, it works really well because there are times where, you know, I'm running out the door with kids and I forget to lock my door. And then I get a notification five minutes later that my door has been locked. And then I know that at least it's locked from the outside. And the other part about a smart lock that I love is I don't carry keys with me anymore. So my front door uses a pad, my back door uses a pad, and I don't need to have any physical keys on me at all. And I love that. It's really changed how I stuff my pockets full of crap because I, <laughs> I still do, but it's not nearly as bad as it used to be. I wish I could do that because I would go with a smart lock and a heartbeat, but apartment living and maintenance people and landlord need to be able to get into my apartment. And if I install a smart lock, I'm like, okay, I'm pretty sure they're going to just take this off one day when I'm not around because I'm sure they will not like this. But I want to get more smart home stuff, but it kind of sucks when it really depends on what the wiring in your house or wherever you're living is like. I would love to install smart switches for the ceiling fan and the lights in both of the bedrooms, but I can't because the light and the ceiling fan are wired to the same single wire and I can't change that myself. Yeah, I have switched out probably half of the light switches in my house over the last like, I mean, I mean, most of it was like pretty early when we moved in and then the rest of them are just waiting for me to eventually finish painting whenever I decide to power through that but um the biggest reason i just went with standard switches and not smart switches was was straight up just a cost thing like a a switch at home depot is like a dollar and a smart switch is much more so yeah i only use smart switches where it makes sense so like if i need to put it on a timer and that timer is like more awkward than something that i could use uh like if i want my daughter's room to turn on at 7 a.m and then 
darken a little bit right before bed, like that kind of thing you'd need a smart switch for. But mostly what I bought them for was our house has switches in like really awkward places. So I bought those Philips, like they're portable. So it uses 3M tape to look like it's a regular light switch, but you can stick it anywhere because it's wireless. And those are like 25 bucks each. And you can not just program them to turn the light on, but we've programmed like in our master bedroom, we have two separate ceiling lights for two different parts of the room. And that one switch turns on both lights and turns off both lights. So it's like a convenience thing. It's a placement thing. You want to change the temperature depending on the time of day. Like it's those very simple scenes that you don't really think are impactful until you program them. And then you just let them run and they work so well. Yeah, no, even just automating the lights to like change to a lower, uh, lower level when it's getting late in the evening and then just straight up turn off when it's time for me to go to bed has been very helpful. <laughs> you guys that go to is, bed on uh, them? That's no, quite the... no, 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 <laughs> okay. no, but it at least tells me that, oh, you need to eat dinner at this point and then go to bed. <laughs> yeah, I would just I would just ignore that and continue sitting on Twitter. <laughs> That happens sometimes. I'm not proud of that, but it happens. But every little bit helps. Mm. That's just like um, when Skynet's basically like telling you, you're you're not working anymore. You're not (laughs) watching TV. You're going to sleep right now and try to press the button. And you're just like, nope, I'm sorry. It's not happening. You're going to sleep. I mean, the amount of times that I press pause on bedtime mode because I want to play like another round in Emoji Blitz and I can't do that if the screen is grayscale is too high. When I reviewed the Pixel 7 Pro, I had bedtime mode on for snore and cough detection, uh, Mm. which is a new feature. And (laughs) the amount of times it would turn on and I'd be like, oh, right, I forgot. (laughs) Extend 30 minutes or whatever it is. Like it would do it like three more times before I went to bed. And I'm like, I am really staying up way too late on this phone. (laughs) It it was just like it was shaming me. And then I I filed the review and I turned it off. It is shaming you, but it absolutely works. I don't want to be shamed, though. I, I'm already ashamed enough of the fact that it's 1.30 in the morning, and I'm like, yeah, but there's like four new tweets to read in my feed. <laughs> I mean... We're all broken, is what this comes down and, to. And Elon yeah. Musk Twitter, is just trying Twitter to fix... has broken us. He's trying to get me off it. He's actually doing me a favor by posting like he's some cringe lord on Reddit in 2011. That's true. He is making our lives better by being the worst possible person. So thank you, Elon. I appreciate that. And that's all we're going to talk about Twitter this week. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think I think we can probably end end the conversation about Matter too. Let's talk about Steam OS expanding on Chromebooks and Google Play games expanding into more PCs. All right, let's talk Steam OS first. What or Steam for Chrome OS? What does that look like? What are the changes? Uh, what do people need to know? Now instead of it just being like five or seven laptops, it's now like almost 20 which is nice and then it it includes a lot more uh i think it includes at least a couple of under 500 dollar models so that should be very helpful in increasing the spread by which you can use it because it is still a beta i believe you still have to change over to the beta channel in chrome os yeah which is a bummer it's a lot easier than the than the it's it's, it's it's so much easier than doing it in dev like i'm looking forward to being able to go to the acer uh my spin 713 that i haven't powered on in like three months (laughs) and finally being able to be like okay we are nuking you and setting you to the beta channel so that way i'm not having to deal with the constant updates and shit breaking in dev so yeah that's a major quality of life improvement for everybody who was previously using it or wants to use it now um we're also continuing to get more improvement for the games more games are getting better about working again i need to power wash the 713 and get it onto beta and see whether or not i can finally load civ 6 because i i never got that game to load while it was on the alpha like tried 20 times on like over a course of like weeks and never got the game to load civ 5 was fine except for the fact that once you got after around like Around 250, around 300, it would start getting too slow to really work. But I'm excited for this. Also, now that we have reached the beta stage, we actually have more gaming Chromebooks arriving, which is wonderful to see, especially as Stadia is uh, doing its swan song. So I'm super happy we're getting more power-focused Chromebooks. I'm also kind of happy for the RGB lighting, but that's just because I'm that particular type of basic bitch. Um, 
So I'm super happy for all of it. And I'm hopeful that unlike Linux, I'm hoping this gets from beta to stable in a reasonable amount of time. As opposed to like, you know, what was it? Four years from beta to stable for Linux? Oh, God. Uh, ye- yes, something like that. I remember putting Linux on a Chromebook in 2017, and that was, I think that was well before it was it was on stable. So, yeah. I have been kind of down on gaming on Chromebooks on this show, but but I don't know. I, I think this is actually more promising than I thought. I, I'm glad that they lowered the the recommended specs or the, the required uh, specs down to a oh, core i3. Oh, and adding AMD. Adding yeah, and, AMD and Ryzen is 3. huge. Yeah, um, it, it's a lot of hardware that can that can do it now. They added like 50 new recommended games. And that's in addition to stuff that like they haven't thoroughly tested that can still maybe run. But between the games they announced in March and the stuff on this list, I mean, it's like a lot of big games. I've heard of most of these. There are a handful that are foreign to me, but like even if I'm not playing them, I know what Subnautica is, even if it's not my thing. But like, it's cool that like Google and, and Valve are out here being like, yeah, it'll work. We recommend it. These are not AAA titles from 2021. Some of them are AAA titles from like, 2014 yeah you can play dishonored which came out in 2012 you can play prey which came out in 2017 you You can play play the blind forest yeah mostly like these are games that don't require a ton of gpu heft right but are really high quality games that are now optimized for your chromebook a chromebook that was heretofore limited to web games and android games so the fact that like I can play a great AAA title from 2017 on most of these Chromebooks is amazing. Yeah, I mean, I think we will see Google and, and Valve recommend more recent AAA titles as the hardware catches up. I do think that like that's kind of the issue here is that they they don't want to come out and be like absolutely boot up Cyberpunk 2077 on your, you know, your Oh, but they'll <laughs> still let you buy it. Oh yeah, and, you and I mean you can try to do it. Yeah, but, but like it's just good luck getting it to run. You're gonna have a much better experience if you play Inscription, right? <laughs> like if you if you keep to like indie titles and older triple or double A titles, like like Dark Souls Remastered is on this list now. It's not cutting edge, but it's some really good titles. And honestly, like these are kind of the games that I'm playing on PC anyway. I'm not. I personally am not like a huge AAA game person anyway. So like, that's why when I say that I'm like pleasantly surprised about this stuff, it's like, okay, they're paying attention to stuff that I would want to play anyway. Maybe I could, especially like in the next year, as we see hardware catch up, maybe I could get like an $800, $900 Chromebook that has solid performance that I could play some older titles that are languishing in my, my backlog of, of a billion games that I've picked up on a decade of sales. Well, you don't have to spend 900 bucks to get some of the decent ones. Like the Acer yeah. Spin 714 was down to $500. Well, uh, I'd love to see week. more dedicated graphics cards, I think is what if I'm if I'm going to buy a Chromebook with Steam in mind, yeah. I do want some some kind of power there. I don't, you know, it's it's great that a lot of this can run, but Well, I just want more Chromebooks that are equipped to handle external GPUs cuz I'm mm. not of the mindset that we're always going to be able to get dedicated graphics cards in a Chromebook. But so long as the ones that matter can have external GPU support, I'm okay with that. I don't know. I saw those AMD prices. I'm not buying a new graphics card anytime soon. <laughs> well, I mean, they're cheaper than the, the NVIDIA ones. Well, so. the NVIDIA ones yeah. are, the, they're out of their mind. <laughs> like that's Those prices are, I think they start in four-digit territory. Like, yeah, at least at least AMD is like starting at 900 well, or whatever. Well, let's see what happens with N- Nvidia after we start really getting into the recession and people like trail off on the whole mining situation for now. I mean, that's that's, that's already so trailed much off. Of that is. That, well, no, no, I'm saying those four digit prices are Nvidia's prices for their newest the, the graphics cards they just announced a couple weeks ago. The demand has fallen because crypto has crashed and turns out NFTs weren't the future unless you're Square Enix. But yeah, it, it's a whole like the, the graphics card. Like it doesn't matter. Those prices are are blowing up in the in the same way that prices for everything are. But but you know, it's. I mean, we're seeing like AMD jumping from like their graphics card starting at like five or six hundred dollars to nine hundred, and and they were cheaper than Nvidia already. So well, you need them to you know, to to do four K everything at max settings <laughs> on your thirty two hey, inch ten eighty p display. Yeah, I mean. The only thing I've been playing lately is Disco Elysium, which 
does not require a hardcore graphics card and also is on the list is on the original list uh from march for this chromebook uh, support and would probably play great on a chromebook actually i can't imagine that game is super intensive but yeah if you're looking to play your your call of duty modern warfare 2s i don't know i don't know if this is this is what you want yeah we're still not there yet you're still gonna want to do geforce now or xbox game pass for that or just don't play it (laughs) i think this is a bigger deal than google play games for pc oh absolutely yeah okay I can break this down. Let's actually talk about what this is. So it's not a brand new thing. It's an expansion into more regions and regions that including we talk we about, are, US yeah. and Canada. Uh, but what exactly is it, Will? Yeah, so they, they announced, Google announced this back uh, during the Game Awards last year. So like 11 months ago, basically. And it was kind of a surprise. Android gaming on Windows specifically is like nothing new, like if you know the word blue stacks, you know what this is, but it was uh, a big deal. And also like Windows 11 has native support for Android emulation, I guess I should say Android app emulation. But the fact that Google was getting into this was a big deal because they have basically stayed out of this growing and popular market for playing mobile games on PC, specifically not really so much in North America, but in regions like China and, and, and South Korea which is um, why uh, South Korea was like one of the first three regions that they launched in. So this is kind of their entry into it. And we as like North American residents finally got our first taste of it this week with the beta, with the open beta coming to our continent. And the library is like, this is not a BlueStack situation where you are loading your own APKs into this or even even like the, the Windows 11 stuff where you can like, get APKs installed very easily and not have to worry about the Amazon App Store. Like this is just Google's library of selected games and it's bad. Like it's a bunch of games that you probably haven't heard of. And if you've heard of them, it's probably for because they're not, not very the good right games. Yeah, exactly. It's um, I literally I cannot even pull a name off the top of my head because they're so uh, Asphalt <laughs> 9. That's the only one that I recognize. Wh- which, oh which one is it? Asphalt, the racing Oh, game. sure, Asphalt. Yeah, that's true. Asphalt is always in their, like, they put out these, like, 40-second GIFs for some reason instead of just giving us a video, and that is always one of the featured ones is, is the Asphalt titles. How old is Asphalt 9 at this point? I mean... It's got to be, like, eight or nine years old. Yeah. Yeah, I think they stopped making them. But this is a bleak situation. Like, every single one of these games is free-to-play. They are from Cash Cow publishers that prioritize monetization over gameplay just a bunch of garbage lots of slots casino games the games that google highlights every time they announce an expansion of this at least the last two times has been 1945 air force blade idol cookie run kingdom and ebony the king's return uh none of which i've ever heard of uh, except for maybe cookie run maybe but none of them are, are particularly impressive um yeah, I don't know. Well, anyway, this is this is a, a sad and tragic situation that uh, somehow Google got itself into. This is especially funny because PlayPass is a thing. Yeah. So if they had just had the wherewithal to launch PayPass for PC or offer some games as part of PlayPass, they could have done the upsell here and say like, hey, we'll throw in these premium games if you have a PC that runs this. And then they would be able to use those games to market Google Play games for PC. Instead, it's Cash Frenzy casino slots and six games that are like Dreamscape, Dragonscape, Dungeonscape, Evan, like Kingscape, Gardenscape, Homescape. Like literally, there's like 10,000 scapes here. I'm glad that we're on the same page, apparently, because I'm watching the like, they don't give a list, but there's like scrolling banners on their on their Google Play games beta site. And it's just like, Every time you think you're done seeing casino games, there's another casino game that is different than the last one, but using the same art assets. Cool. I'm very curious about all of these scapes. (laughs) See, I don't get why you don't highlight games that might not have necessarily been unique to Android, but at least perform well on Android no matter where you play it. Like, Stardew Valley is available through the Google Play Store, and it plays great on my phone. It plays great on my Chromebook. It probably would have played well on PC, although I'm not entirely... Uh, and if you play the Android version, you get tap to move instead of having to manually do all your controls. So that would have been an easy one to like, oh, hey, here's a game that you can get with Play Pass. It's easy to play for us on PC. It's not the 
highest quality graphics so you don't have to care about it being like 4K everything. Pick your battles here better. I was about to promote that they should put Marvel Snap on here and then I realized that Marvel Snap is on Steam so it doesn't it doesn't matter anyway. <laughs> it wouldn't it wouldn't help. You would just be emulating the the Android version instead of just getting the the PC version. So never mind. Yeah. That's You're part paying of why for s- Marvel Snap. Oh, it's free. Yeah, it's it's free. it's a free to play card. I it's it's just taking the world it's like free storm. To play. I have not. It's, I have not it is played a paid it. app. <laughs> um, I just know that people are. Um, people love it though. Like with people it. are oh, yeah, pretty no. jazzed about it. Yeah, even though it is free to play, like they don't. It doesn't appear to be too onerous or or like too pushy on the monetization front. Yeah, I mean, no more yeah. than like a Hearthstone, which I believe the original devs behind Hearthstone work mm. on this. So. But yeah, I mean, there's no, there's not even like a, where's Candy Crush? Like, why is that not on this? <laughs> that, that feels right. I don't know. Because the ad situation is probably not quite as, although no, no, no. Candy Crush pushes in-app purchases on you, doesn't it? Yep. Yeah. That, how, how else can they afford 50 drones to, to market themselves? I don't know. I, I didn't An even read the full between story. every level? I, I don't know. Anyway, you, you talked about Disco Elysium, which is so funny because... I've been thinking about buying that for Steam for the last week. Isn't it on sale for like 10 bucks? 10 bucks. But yeah. the problem is that the company I is know, basically I know. a collective and they like messed, like they, they <sighs> screwed over yeah. all of the designers and the devs. And like, I don't want to give money to this I know. company anymore. It's it's like a big thing. I know. I, I don't even know what to, I mean, I, I mean, I can tell you off mic what to do. <laughs> But oh, I see what you're saying. Uh, but no, 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 I don't want to do that. No, I, I'm, no. I'm, it's like 10 bucks. I'm not, I, I'm, I'm gonna buy it. It's you should just... buy it. It's, it's, it's really, it's really quick. I, I picked it up when it, like, maybe two or three months after it came out. So, so early 2020, and then the pandemic happened, and you'd think I would have more time, but it, it, the last thing I wanted to do was like sit at my computer for longer. And so I've been messing around with Moonlight streaming, which seems to be much more stable than Steam Link's app. And so I've been mm. doing a lot more streaming from my PC to my TV, which means that I don't have to sit in my desk chair on weekends. And and one of the games I got back into was Disco Elysium. And I'm like probably 10 hours into this playthrough. And it's just like a really interesting non-combat RPG that like maybe has the funniest writing in any video game I've ever played. The amount of times it like makes me laugh out loud and the hard laugh too. Like it, it's, it's so good. Yeah, yeah. Like I got a few hours into it on Stadia. Yeah. But that's not, I can't no. transfer my no, save. Can't. So some of the some of the inner monologue stuff that that game does when it when you're reading through is just so funny. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's really well written. All right. What else do we want to talk about? I wanted to talk about my Steam Deck because that has been like giving me a lot of joy over the last few days. I've been like messing around with with just like all kinds of gaming on it, including emulation and just like trying to get everything working. It like brings me back to my early Android rooting days. Oh yeah, because like it's not hard unless you were there. Like in the really really early days, like rooting ended up not being that hard either. But you just get that sense of like you're tweaking something you bought to make it perfect for you in a way that I don't do on Android anymore because the experience is so mature. And you know, if I use a Pixel, I don't really feel like I need to change much in the way of launchers or anything. I know, Ara, you wanted to talk about the Niagara launcher situation. But yeah, I've just been really enjoying, like, I, I loaded up GoldenEye for N64 Aww. on the Steam Deck yesterday, and I played through it a little bit. Controls are wild, just awful. But I mean, are we sure that's the system or are we sure that's uh, just gold? No, I'm saying it's gold. Yeah, it's definitely gold. The gold night, like the first person shooter control schemes from like the late 90s were terrible because the N64 controller was not really designed for the way that we have it today. You had the single analog stick back then. So you had the D pad and the single stick. Yeah. Whereas There's today infamous, you have dual sticks. Is it, is it an aliens game, right? Or a, maybe a predators game, but there's that infamous like IGN review from like 2000 where or like alien, I think it was an alien game that was like one of the first to use like what we think of as just like the modern first person shooter control scheme where, where you're, you know, moving with the left joystick and, mm-hmm. and moving your camera with the right. And it was like, yeah, I don't know who would want to do this. This this feels clunky and terrible. And it's like, yeah, that's oh, just, literally how what like every Yeah, exactly. Uh it's it's so good. I wish I could remember specifically what game it is, but it's it's really funny to read, you know, 20 years later. This broke my brain because the left joystick you move forward by pushing the the uh, analog stick up. You're looking left and right by going left and right, but then you're strafing left and right 
with the other analog stick, it's like, it's, it's so wild to me. Like, it just does not make sense in my brain. I, I've had such a hard time wrapping my head around it. I'm sure I'll get used to it after I play it a little bit more. I don't even know if GoldenEye is a good game. I mean, people I mean, love it. It's, it's like, a, but everybody it loves it. Yeah. But like, is it a good hit. game? I don't even know anymore. I just think it's always been ridiculously hard and that's given it like cult status and people can't back down from that at this point. Right. Exactly. Anyway, they're doing a remake of it, so we'll we'll know soon enough. But well, it, yeah, I, I think I've it's just, just been, uh, it's like a remaster, right? Like it's yeah. it's the original, but with with modernized controls and then weird graphics that don't look like yeah, they're they're like upresed. It's still like an N sixty four esque look, but they're upresed or whatever. And then the Switch has like exclusive online play for some reason, which is weird, but whatever. We shall see. <laughs> yes, we shall. Um, yeah, I don't know. I've just been really enjoying messing around with this thing. It's funny. This is one of those products that launched to pretty terrible, not terrible, but like very mediocre reviews because it was yeah. super buggy and game compatibility was hit or miss. And now basically everybody that has a Steam Deck says it's one of the greatest hardware releases of all time, as they've discovered that not only is it great for some AAA titles, some older titles that work really well. And then it's just a beast for emulation of all sorts. Everybody's like, this is incredible. Two things there. The, the first is that I feel like even the people who will say they hate it, like I feel like AP's own Matt Schultz in our gaming channel and Slack is always like, ah, this new release on Steam says it's it's deck verified, but the resolution is like terrible or like the aspect ratio doesn't match and it's stuck in 16.9. But you're you're buying so many games to play on that deck, Matt. <laughs> like you you love it. And then like also Valve's like acknowledgement of like the emulation market with like they put out that video. There was some video like two or three weeks ago that they put out that like the the home screen of the deck had the, like the switch emulator yeah <laughs> like icon yeah. on it where they're just like oh oops don't know how that got in there anyway we'll we'll edit the video now that it's made the rounds on twitter um sorry about that guys we i don't i guess the maker of this video just wasn't paying attention anyway here's a remade video uh 12 hours later now that everyone's seen it it's just so funny it's an interesting gray area for steam right because yeah. they're not competing with any of the systems that are being emulated, right? Like no. at some point down the road, if the PS5 ever gets emulated or maybe PS4, there will be overlap. But like most of the games that even on the Switch, like the games people are going to try to emulate on the Switch are the first party games that aren't available anywhere else. And that means that Steam or Valve can kind of turn a blind eye and say like, we're not endorsing piracy. We're just giving you an open Windows platform. You can do emulation on anything. Yeah. Or not even Windows, like it's Linux, Linux. But like, yeah. we're, we're just giving you whatever you want. It's amazing. I, I love this. Yeah, I, I, I said I wasn't going to buy this first Gen 1 because I think, I think there will be big leaps in Gen 2 and Gen 3. And then like all of you people who have bought one of like that we work with will, hate, will be upset. But... I don't think it's going to happen on an annual Wait, cadence. Just, no, no, not even that. It's just like you guys are just like making me want to buy the first gen one, even though like I'm, I've been like trying to hold off and wait for for future hardware of like, you know, I don't have enough time to play games as it is. Like, I don't need another way to not play games. But God, you guys are going to you guys really tempt me into it. Tis the yeah. season for retail therapy. Yeah, I know. yeah. I'm I, waiting for the steam um, like fall sale. That's going to be dangerous. Yeah, I think that's soon. Yeah, it's um, the end of November. Yeah. Oh, duh, of course. It lines up with Black Friday. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Was there anything else we wanted to talk about? Niagara. Niagara, yes. Talk about what happened with Niagara this week and, and why why people should care. Okay. So on the face of it, not necessarily everybody who is on like a quote unquote regular Android device with Google Play services will potentially care about this. But most of the launchers use uh, Google Play services and use Google Play to handle their subscriptions for whatever pro premium upsell that they have. And Niagara Launcher is decoupling theirs from the Play Store in order to allow Android users on other forks or platforms to use Niagara Launcher Pro as well. It's not going to be a huge deal here in the States, 
But this is going to have huge impacts for anybody who is on a Huawei that lost GMS. It's going to matter in China, which is, I think, where why this uh, decision was made and where this is being geared. But it's also going to be useful for, like, if you want a different launcher on an Amazon Fire 7. Because, again, if it's decoupled from Google Play, you, you can get it on anything with Android. So it's a small step in a good direction for, like, quote-unquote, truly open-source availability. But it also means that they're having to do their own proprietary system for the DRM, and that ends up being a little bit tricky when it comes to Android apps. A quick note on the on the Fire tablet, Amazon locks their launcher. Really? Yeah. You can't change a default launcher, and even if you, like go through like adb commands to unlock it it's still really buggy and i wouldn't really oh. recommend anyone do it so that's just so sad because i'm i'm sorry guys but that that launcher on fire tablets is just freaking terrible. terrible unless you really want to buy a lot of digital goods and then it's okay but uh it's <laughs> mostly terrible <laughs> yeah but well but, i mean yeah. it's it's part of how they get them so low is it's the well, the launcher is essentially just another way to deliver ads yeah, and absolutely. get you into buying shit yeah. But for Huawei phones, for non-GMS phones, um, for China, this will be great news. And it's also good news for any system that wants to be more open source Android as opposed to being locked into GMS. Because it's hard to get good quality, like premium launcher options outside of using cracked apps if you're outside of the Google Play ecosystem. And I do not support cracking any launcher because those devs deserve every penny they get. Launchers are hard. There's a lot of things that can go wrong. QA is freaking impossible at times. And it's something that has so many ways to either improve or uh, negate the beauty of the Android experience. So I I support launcher, especially launcher devs, getting what they're owed. Yeah, go go buy a launcher. Even if you're not going to use it, just just buy it. Keep independent Android well, development even just, going. Well, and especially Ni- Niagara is one that you should try. If for yeah. no other reason, then you're like, oh, I, I don't want a launcher. I don't customize things. That's fine. Niagara Launcher is essentially an app list. You can have your favorites at the top, and then it's an A through Z list with quick scroll on the left and the right edges. Mm. So it makes it easy to find any app in like two seconds or less. I don't like Niagara. I've tried it many times, and I always go back. I don't get anything out of it, but I can understand why other people do. It's just not how my brain works. Yeah, my brain still prefers uh, Smart Launcher 6, but whenever I go and try out the others, Niagara is the one I tend to stick with the longest before I go back to my home in Smart mm. Launcher 6 with my Icon Pack Studio built in. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, better to throw $10 a, or $10 a year, I guess, towards, a, towards an indie dev making a launcher than it is to... Uh, I don't know, pay for a verified uh, check on a social media platform. Oh, you brought it all the way back. (laughs) All the way back. All the way back. (laughs) I love it. All right. That's a perfect way to end today's show. Yeah, I mean, not a ton of news this week. So thank you for sticking with us. As always, send us your feedback, podcast at andropolice.com. You can find Ara at Ara Wagco. You can find Will at Will underscore Saddleberg, S-A-T-T-E-L-B-E-R-G. I got a couple of questions from Twitter people being like, how do you spell Will's name? I want to follow him. I'm or just sorry. go to the go to the page on on uh, on our website. Google uh, Will uh, Will Jules puts uh, Will's name on there uh, along with ours. You can find me at Journey Dan. You can find all of us at Android Police. We need to uh, rest, so I hope you have a chance <laughs> to do that as well. Have a great weekend. Enjoy your week, and we will talk to you very soon. Bye bye. Bye guys. Bye. Thank you.